Hey, Sam. Hi, Bridget. Sam, if it's okay with you, I want to go on a little bit of a rant today. You up for that? Yeah, go for it. Let's hear it. What's your rant about? I want to rant a little bit about the podcast one sheet, which is a technique and a strategy that I see recommended to folks who are looking to guests on podcasts as a resource that they can use in their pitching. The reason this is a rant is that there are so many things about this approach that just don't work. Oh God, Sam, like there's so much to say here. I'm like, my mind is racing with where even to start. So let me lay out the groundwork. Have you actually heard of a one sheet before? Have you received these? Do, do you think folks know what a one sheet is? I have received them. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with them. I'm not sure if the general population or general public might be familiar with this though. Yeah. Why don't I start by defining what the one sheet is and then I can like go into my nitty yeah. <laughs> nitpicky reasons why I just really don't like them and why we at Podcast Ally don't use them. We don't recommend them and we do something else instead. Sounds good. So a one sheet is basically a document. It's usually delivered as a PDF that is designed and it will often have the name of a potential podcast guest, a picture of them, like a really nice photo of them, and then their bio and some things they can speak to. So some interview topics. And my problem isn't with any of that information. Like when you're working with podcasts, you need to have all of those things ready. But my problem is with the way that these are put together in the one sheet format. And then also some of the ways that I see them recommended to be used. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about first, these two different aspects. So the first thing is the format. This is the easiest to talk about. Now, I am really, really old school. Like I have been working in PR for almost 20 years now. And I still remember the days when we weren't able to send PDFs to traditional journalists because they had blockers in their email accounts because so much spam was being sent out to them and anything that was a PDF attachment did not get through. So when I was pitching, for example, the Chicago Tribune, when I was working in Chicago, we could not ever use attachments because their filters would block those. You couldn't send attachments. And there is a part of me that literally has this connection between PDFs and viruses. Like, I'm like, I am not going to download a PDF that somebody I don't know sends me on the internet because that is the fastest way to get viruses on your computer. And Sam, like you're from a slightly younger generation than me. Do you carry that association or is like that just, is that just a me thing? Is that just an old, <laughs> old elder millennial issue? <laughs> I, I definitely do. Don't worry. I do. And I think I'm just like completely very dubious of like anything which comes through in an email that from someone I don't know. So I always treat it with caution. So I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. So like the first thing is, is like a PDF that you send to somebody cold as part of your pitch. No one's going to download that because they're like, are you <laughs> sending me viruses onto my computer? But beyond that, it's not functional. So all that information that is contained in a one sheet is information that people usually need after they book you. So like your bio, your photo, all of that kind of stuff is stuff that they'll use to put together the show notes for your episode. And the problem with the PDF is you can't download a headshot from a PDF. So if they want to create social media images to promote your episode, or if they have like those episode headers that have people's headshots in them, which is pretty common when people do a lot of guests, 
what are they going to do? Take a screenshot or email you back and ask for a photo? It's so stupid. It makes things so difficult for the podcast host to actually extract the information they need. And even worse is like if they wanted to use your bio in their show notes, have you ever tried to like copy and paste text out of a PDF? It creates all kinds of like weird symbols because it doesn't translate well from a PDF into a document or into a web page. And so then what you're doing is you're sending the podcast information in this PDF, which is already kind of sketchy to begin with, but then they like can't use it because they can't download or copy and paste any of the information they need. So that's the first thing, the functionality of a one sheet as a PDF that is attached to an email is just so weird and non-functional. I don't know what anyone is thinking when they use these or put them together or recommend them. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. I'd be curious to know, like, what's the second thing though? So the other thing is the way that people typically recommend the one sheets to be used is with the initial pitch. So the idea is I'm going to pitch a podcast and what I'm going to do is send to them a very short email and then attach the one sheet as a reference document where you can go and figure out what my interview topics are and what I might come to talk to your podcast on. And the problem here is that basically what you're telling that podcast host is that you're not putting in any effort to figure out what they might care about. You're sending to them the exact same pitch email, usually the exact same interview topics that you send to everyone else. And that's actually not necessarily a terrible thing. Like we definitely repurpose our pitches, but when we do that, we're often customizing little bits and pieces to make it feel very specific to the host. We're also looking into the podcast and seeing what they cover. So we might have, you know, three topics for a client and see that the podcast host has covered one before. And so we'll just pitch one specific topic that is really specific to them. And we'll tell them why we think they care about that topic. When you use a one sheet to pitch, you're showing them that you're not willing to put the effort in to research what they care about. It's very me, me, me. Like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to get out of the interview and not here's what I see that you're doing for your audience, for your content and how I can help you with that goal. Right. It, it puts the focus on the wrong place. And I just, I think it leaves like a really bad taste in people's mouths to get pitched like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see the appeal when it comes to being more efficient. But at the same time, there is a line between being efficient and being lazy. And I think that to the podcast host, it does come off as being lazy. It's just generic. It doesn't really, like you said, necessarily appeal to what that specific podcast wants to hear or how it can benefit them. Yeah. And this like brings me back to like one of the things when I used to teach traditional PR, which is with the media release, press release and traditional PR is like an announcement about something you're doing that you send to all the media. And hopefully they're just going to like copy and paste that press release and use it as an article. And one of the things I always used to say to people when I was doing more traditional PR, so working with Fast Company and CNN and Bloomberg and Entrepreneur, is that you can get away with doing these kind of low effort mass market approaches if you're Apple, if you're Tim Ferriss, right? Mm -hmm. If you're somebody who already has a lot of name recognition, 
And if you're in a position where basically your PR people who are working with you are usually turning people away because you have so much media interest in what you're doing, then yes, use a one sheet, send that same boilerplate out to everyone. Because I guarantee you, like if you're listening, Brene Brown, you don't have to make a lot of effort. Everybody wants to be you. Everybody wants to talk to you. But for the rest of us, we do have to work a little bit harder because we don't already have that name recognition and that demand built in. And so a lot of podcasters see this kind of approach as very entitled on behalf of the guests. I was just having lunch with a podcaster the other day and she said, you know, I just want for my guests to spend just a tiny bit of time or potential guests spending a tiny bit of time wooing me where they're just not coming out and saying, here's what I want to come on your show and doing, but they're putting in a little bit more effort to woo me and to show me why that makes sense. And to show me that they're invested in the community that I built brought together. And so I think that there's this difference in approach between different kinds of companies where if you are a name brand kind of individual, a major speaker, a major business that everybody wants to know what you're doing. Yeah. Send a one sheet, send a boilerplate. They will pick you up no matter what you do, right? They're begging to have you on. The rest of us though, we need to do things a little differently and we need to try a little bit harder with our pitches to make sure we're giving the podcast what they're specifically looking for. Yeah, definitely. Having the status to be able to just send out like a one sheet and get hits from it is a luxury for sure. I'm interrupting this episode because I know you're here because you want to leverage podcast interviews. Maybe you're looking to grow your network or bringing new leads, or maybe you've been invited on a podcast and you're looking to get more intentional and proactive with reaching out to podcasts to suggest yourself as a guest. And most likely you're listening because you're looking for some help. Either you want some help with your messaging or just brainstorming the right podcast to reach out to. Well, you're in the right place, my friend. Our podcast planning intensives mean you don't have to do it alone. They're led by senior members of our pitch team who are working with podcasts every single day and me, which means you get two extra brains working on your podcast outreach and the programming. We'll work with you to identify which podcasts will bring you closer to your goals and write up your own personal pitch scripts for those shows. We'll help you put together a plan to leverage every interview and we'll give you the context you need to book those interviews. Plus, we support you as you start that outreach process. Sound like a dream? Come on over to podcastally.com forward slash VIP to learn more about our podcast planning intensives and to get the help you're looking for. That's podcastally.com forward slash VIP, where you can find all the info and book an intensive. Now, let's get back to the show. I've got gripes about the format of the one sheet and the way that it's used in pitching. However, the contents of the one sheet are very useful and they do have a place in your podcast outreach. But instead of using those contents when you're pitching, where you have something that you send to podcasters that have your headshot, your bio, and all this other information, you should be sending that information to podcasters after they book you to help them put together the show notes, help them put together the episode. So this is a replacement for a one sheet that you still need the pitch, right? So you're gonna have to write a pitch. You send out the pitch. The podcast says, yes, I'm gonna book you. And then what you need is either what we call a media kit or a press kit. And that is sent to the podcaster 
after they've booked you. So I wanted to give that important context because if you've heard the teaching about the one sheet, you're usually pitching that out at the first contact. And I don't think that's a very good idea. You can send your press kit in the first contact, but we almost exclusively use it after the fact. I think the most important thing to remember is that the host will probably use the information you provide here to create the basis of the episode. This includes your bio for the introduction or your headshots for the episode graphic. So with this in mind, you want to make sure that it's easy for them to copy, download, or essentially extract the information from your media kit. Additionally, you will probably want to offer a variety of headshots because this will make it easier for the host to pick the one that best suits their graphic. And of course, we've said that you should stay far away from PDFs. And in place of this, you can use a site like Notion, or alternatively, you can use Google Drive where you can create a Google Doc for your media kit and have a folder full of your headshots. Yeah, for years we used just a Google Drive folder where we would have the name of our client and we would put their bio in a document and then just some different image options into that folder. And we would make the link available to anyone and then send it once we booked an interview. You can also use something like Dropbox to do this, or if you have a book launch and you really wanna put this stuff on your website, on a press page, that works as long as folks can copy and paste and download the information. But you don't have to complicate this because by the time you've sent a podcaster your media kit, they've already said yes. They don't need something that is really fancy and splashy. They just need something that is functional and usable. Do you want to talk a little bit about what makes your podcast bio a little different than your traditional bio and some of the recommendations we give to our clients? We basically have to rewrite their bios for podcasts. You want to tell folks why we do that? One thing to bear in mind is that when the host receives this, they're probably going to craft your introduction using this bio that you provide. So you want to keep it relatively short 100 words or so is more or less ideal but make sure that you read it out loud so that it makes sense because many hosts will read it out loud obviously so you want to make sure that it it flows smoothly i mean i think we've discussed this before you and i bridget where you can actually hear on podcasts where a host has taken directly the bio but it doesn't really work too well when read out loud so it sounds kind of like disjointed in a way and you can notice that. So I definitely make sure that it's a bio that works well to be read out loud. Yeah, you want it to feel like really warm and natural for the host to read it and not super stuffy. So just reading your own bio out loud, like you will notice immediately the things that feel like tongue twisters or that just feel kind of awkward to say. Like one of the biggest tips I have for folks is that when you're writing something in your bio, you're probably using a lot of punctuation, a lot of complex sentence structure. But when you're speaking, you want to vary up your sentence structure. So have more short sentences, not as many long sentences with lots of commas or my favorite punctuation mark, the semicolon, like that does not belong in a bio that's going to be read aloud as an introduction. And I also find one thing that's difficult for me is brackets. If you have brackets, that doesn't really translate as well when read out loud. Oh, totally. That is Sam. That's your like hosting experience coming to play there. I wouldn't have even thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are always confusing. It's like, do you read it as a comma? Do you read it as like open brackets say it, close brackets? Yeah. It's confusing. Okay. So we talked about the headshot. We talked about the bio. Let's see. What else do we need in there? So some other things that you can put into your media kit, these are all optional, right? So I just want to preface this by saying, Really, your headshot and bio are enough. Like if you're just booking some podcast interviews, trying to do it fast and dirty, that is enough. 
but there's some other things you can put in there that will help the host prepare for the interview. That can include anything from your interview topics that you can discuss to actually a list of questions that podcast hosts might ask you about those interview topics. When you put questions together, I think like 10 or a dozen questions can be a really nice amount where if there's things that you love to speak to and they might not think to ask you, right? They're going to ask you like, what's your background? How do you get in this line of work? But if there's anything where it's a special topic that you know really resonates with people, you can definitely put that as either a question format or as like a suggested topic for the interview where they would craft up their own question. And then some people do put in their past media and podcast experiences in their press kit. In our press kits, we'll put like a few different interviews for our clients because it can be a really good place for the host to kind of go and do some research for people, right? They can like listen to those interviews on one and a half or double time and get some great sense of who they are. Or if you have some really great past media clips that give background, this is kind of up to you. The media and podcast appearances are ideally more used when you're pitching. So you want to share them as like social proof when you're pitching. They're not as necessary in your press kit, but I think it's a really nice, easy ad. And it's a way of like also affirming to the host that they've made a good choice of bringing you on. So it never hurts to add that info. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I would add to that, or maybe a couple of things, is that the interview topics and questions a host can ask are really helpful. Like as a host, I can honestly say I love receiving those. And I have to also say that I feel a bit lazy if I just like grab them and copy and paste them. I'm probably not going to do that because I, I know that this goes out to other hosts and I don't want to just have a repeat conversation that you can hear on other podcasts. So I'm not going to grab them and just list off those questions. But it does help because it it triggers other ideas of like, other questions I can ask around these topics. And maybe I can think about what other questions like this could I ask that maybe they haven't been asked before? Or can I ask it in another way? Or can I dig deeper into a question or interview topic, which they have shared here? So like as a host, really, I, I love seeing those. And it's kind of similar with past media and podcast appearances. It gives me an opportunity to listen to things they've previously done and see like, how can I approach this from another way so that our interview isn't a carbon copy of a previous interview they've had. I love that, Sam. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that perspective from like what your workflow when you're looking at guests and preparing, what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I would add one more thing. If you can, if you do have a complicated name, it's always good to add like maybe how they can pronounce that or how a person pronounces it because I am someone that gets very nervous around names because I know how personal and important they are to people and how even just like getting it wrong a couple times is doesn't come across well so if you do think that it's necessary uh, by all means add maybe like a, a breakdown of how your name is pronounced oh my gosh and your pronouns <laughs> that's so important <laughs> oh i can't believe we almost forgot to mention that good ad sam good good catch good catch <laughs> yeah 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 all of those things it's good anything which essentially you feel like would make the conversation just more natural and just run a bit more smoothly. Awesome, Sam. Well, I think that really covers it. So this is hopefully a quick and easy one for folks. And I will say like those one sheets are often kind of designed, like they can be really pretty. 
And I will say that like the design does not matter. Hopefully this gives you a quick and dirty way to put together a press kit that is more functional for the host and doesn't take up so much of your time sweating over how to put together. And it's easier to edit if you decide that you want to change your intro. Like I've been on podcasts where the host have introduced me in such an amazing way that I'm like, oh my God, I'm mm -hmm. stealing that for myself from now on. <laughs> like you can just go edit your media kit. You don't have to like resend out a link or a, an attachment because usually it's a link, right? Uh -huh. And so- when somebody goes to use it, the fresh info will be there. You don't have to be like, oh, I changed this. Can you use this one instead? Like, no, no one wants that. <laughs> That's not surprising, actually, because I often find that podcast hosts are very high energy people and very creative. So the kind of introduction that they're going to give you is probably, it's almost like them doing the work for you of like, what's the most entertaining way of uh, introducing yourself? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. My friend, Tara McMullen, who hosts the Wet Works podcast is so good for that. Like every time she's hired me to speak at events. She's had me on the podcast like three times, maybe four times. And like every time she introduces me, I'm like blushing, practically crying and being like a <laughs> mental note, steal all of the things she just said about you. <laughs> She's so good. Oh, fantastic. I'll have to listen to some of those introductions. Now, as we wrap up today's episode, I want to ask you if people do not take in anything that we've said today for some unknown reason, what one piece of information would you like them to walk away with? Yeah. Well, Sam, you know that like I have one kind of core message in everything we do, which is when you're pitching these podcasters, you need to put them first. So when you're thinking about what is the right thing to do in any situation, when it comes to a one sheet versus a press kit to your pitch style, put the needs of the podcaster first and make things easier for them, even if it means a little bit extra upfront work for you, because you're going on their show to leverage the audience that they have worked really, really hard to build. You are getting so much out of that. And so when you approach them, everything you do, everything you're using should be designed with their needs in mind. So in this context, it means that the information should be really easy for them to access, for them to download, for them to copy and paste, for them to read aloud. Just put the podcaster and their needs ahead of your own and you can't go wrong. As a podcast host, I'm definitely on board with that and making our lives easier in general. So I think that's a good point to end on. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Um, I would love to know if you're listening, if you enjoyed having more of a hot take today. So I really don't like to tear other people's approaches down and I will never name names, but there are some things done in the industry that I feel like maybe could be done a little bit better, or sometimes I have really strong opinions on things or Sam will. So if you enjoyed getting a hot take today, let me know. The best way to do that is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We will be reading them and let us know that you enjoyed this episode and you enjoyed the hot take on the one sheets. That's definitely the way that we would love to receive your feedback. And we always hope that you are rating and leaving us reviews because it helps other people find the show and get this info as well. So thanks for tuning in, especially if you've listened all the way to the end and are enjoying the hot take nature of this specific episode. 